I'm Asan, and welcome to another 9320 Transfer Talk special. Um, this afternoon, sweltering in the Barcelona heat, I've got Mr. Graham Hunter. How are you, sir? Well, I'm sort of languid and cool rather than sweltering because the temperature change doesn't, you know, get to your inner self and uh, I'm mooching about like David Niven, really. Oh, look at that. We like it. We like it. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, the reason I wanted to chat to you, you know already, uh, obviously there's a lot of links to Danny Alves that have popped up in the last 72 hours. I've got a very specific reason for wanting to talk to you about, about Alves. Um, the first one is that obviously the the instinctive reaction of the audience, the supporters, is to look at the age profile and to go, yeah, he went from Barcelona to Juventus to the Italian league, which is slower still than, than La Liga. Can he really come to the Premier League at this age and make the sort of impact that we want him to, to have and we'd expect him to have? Am I doing him a disservice? No, it's, no, obviously you're not because it's the right question to ask. I think if you if you never looked at a player's age and if you never looked at the fact that none of these people that we idolise, doesn't matter what colour strip they wear or how good they've been, none of them are eternal. You know, it's absolutely vital to to you know, if we're talk if we want to talk at the level that your club wants to play at, then we have to it's one of the things I've tried to learn working around Messi. I hate the idea when people say, well, I've run out of phrases or I've run out of words or ways to describe them. Well, that's rubbish. You know, give yourself a kick up the arse, improve your game because you're dealing with the best. So if you didn't take Danny Alves' age into account, given that a part of what makes him magical is his athleticism, then you'd be naive. I think what you're saying, and I, and I <laughs> not unusually I agree with you, is that it's, not, it's, it's far from the be-all and end-all his age and above and beyond that the way he keeps himself and also the gifts he's been given he hasn't looked at any stage um, this season as if he's in any physical or athletic decline in fact the last time I went out to see him in Turin he was I mean he was just flipping and I should fuck it I'll just say what I normally say and if there's kids listening I'm sorry he was fucking champing at the bit, literally like a racehorse, wow. desperate to get out of the stalls because he'd had this bad uh, limb break and it had been thought that he'd be out for three, maybe four months. He was back really ultra quick because he's a quick healer, because he, he's utterly dedicated. Now, I'll come on to a phrase that he uses with me all the time, Ace, that, pardon me, that he uses all the time that I've been party to often. I, I didn't mean that the way I said it. Um, before uh, about his attitude but at that time he was chafing really badly that he'd been fit match fit for a handful of weeks and Allegri was taking him in the in the initial 18 or 20 mm. but not playing him and that was bugging him like hell and I, I use that because you know at his age after all he's won when he has a serious leg break and um He's told how long it should take for him to act, and he disregards that, beats the recuperation time, and is champing at the bit to play. It tells you a great deal about his physique. It tells you a great deal about his mindset. But it also tells you about the thing that I'll finish this little section that I'm on now with, whereas he, he consistently, because he's one of the wildest, most anarchic, um, likable, but I mean, you know, honestly... It's, I don't know what it's, 
it must be what it, what it's like having Jack Nicholson around if you're on a you know on a set. I think <laughs> he's constantly man. He's constantly performing. He doesn't give a stuff what anybody thinks. The things that are attractive to him, he says or does. We all know that his wardrobe is beyond belief. He's the Joker who doesn't simply um, nick over to the bench against Barcelona when Juventus knocked them out of the um, Champions League to say hello to his old chums. He does it when the whistle's about to blow. Only realises the match is kicking off when Luis Enrique and the rest of them are laughing at him and he has to run onto the pitch. That's just Danny Alves. And he correctly says time and time again, because people see me being happy, being you know cavalier, enjoying myself and making other people happy, people think that somehow reflects on my professionalism and what I'm like. And believe me, it doesn't. Mm. His, his day-to-day work, which will partly account for the nick he's in, but also accounts for um, th- this magical correlation, if you can get any footballer at a club, where his abilities, his, if he's got soaring abilities, are they in tandem with his soaring discipline and attention to detail and professionalism and hunger? And I think it's quite rare you get all of those things clicking like fruits on a, on a fruit machine. And his are. There's a, his are. A, there's a little bit of a contradiction in that, in that you, and it's something that I've always thought with a little bit with Alves, that you 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 use two very um diametrically opposed words to 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 characterize him on the one hand you describe him as incredibly professional and on the other you describe him as almost anarchic um i'm curious is that why is that what attracts pep to him the fact that no no no, no. I think we could, if you want to jump from that, that previous subject to, to, to Pep, yeah. then, I mean, I don't mean to cut you cut across you, um, but, but, you know, there is, a, there is a... If he ends up signing for Manchester City, apart from there is another part to the jigsaw, which is that when I went over there to Juventus to interview him last, the film that we were making, he said in front of club officials, um, when I asked how things were going, so oh, small club mentality, he... He, he, there, are, there are things about yeah, there are things about Juventus and their attitude and their behaviour and their mentality that he he didn't like, and he said it in front of club officials who were delivering him to us. He wanted them to hear that, and you know he very nearly won the treble. Okay, the the final for him for his teammates against Real Madrid was you know nothing short of disastrous in football terms at least, but his performance. Um, both in league and cup and Champions League was exemplary. If you if you take in the fact, first season, new culture, new language, major injury, <laughs> boy oh boy, you know he he's he's punched miles above his weight. If you also want to include his, include his age and the fact that he could have been saturated with winning and just been there for pick up a big wage, so that's a smaller part of the jigsaw. The fact that he he would move. I guarantee that if the right bid from the right club came, he would move and say, thanks, good season, but this hasn't quite been for me. The other thing that's really important, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say Ace at that stage that he's bashing on the door to get out. I'm talking about a player who could stay, who could be um, a fixture in the team and could help them in, in ways that I'll go on to describe in a second. But you said Pep and you said Danny Alves being attractive and the key factor, two key factors I want to see intelligence, football intelligence 
because his football intelligence is absolutely elite. The second thing is, matched with his football ability, it's his absolutely clear understanding um, of what Pep wants in, in that position. I'm not trying to say that Danny always, always applied it because that would be a lie. Yeah. If you if you can find the perfect player, the, literally the perfect footballer, then go and kidnap them and, and sell them to whoever you want because they, they don't come around. Yeah. And Danny's got a little bit of a, I won't say it's a flaw, but it's a piccadillo where he will actively tell teammates and the coach, listen, you bought me, um, you've incorporated me for what I am. And part of what I am is I do what's in front of me. I do what I see. And he uses daring and he uses imagination. And he said, again, I've been over this subject five, six, seven times with Danny one-on-one. And he'll say things like, my dad taught me, you, you do this if you just want to be any old footballer. But if you don't want to be another footballer, then be Danny Alves, do your own thing. And he does. And therefore, what you have to figure if you're Pep Guardiola or another coach, Allegri or whoever wants to buy him, you say, is it a net gain or a net loss? Do I accept the fact that Danny will attack at times when I don't want to? Do I accept that he may leave us exposed a little bit? And do I balance that against the fact that his ability to associate with midfield, his ability to associate with the strikers, his ability to make and score goals for his position, his hunger, his fitness, his discipline and training are, are nearly unparalleled? Then you go, net game. That's That would be, for Pep Guardiola, what makes Danny Alves still attractive. It's an immediate fit into the system. And it's and it's that little thing, again, you get very rarely, and which definitely has happened at Juventus. He teaches, he shows. And there are two key things that you get from Danny Alves around him in the, in the, in the way other people look at him. And maybe there'll be a third thing. There'll be some who just don't buy him, okay? Mm. I accept that. I'm not his agent. He's not a saint. So there'll be some who go like, fuck me, will you ever shut up? See that to me as well, so that's why I'm talking about Danny in this way. But the two things that are vital are, I know for a fact that when Buffon and Mandzukic particularly first caught sight of Danny Alves, they, they caught hold of the anarchic thing that you, you said was diametrically opposed to my contention that he's a brilliant professional, and they were like, fuck, what, hold on a second, what's all this enjoying and larking about? And, uh, and then as the months went by, they went, look at this fella. The difference in him is he jokes, he larks about, he dresses like a mental case, and yet he's still first in training. He's still first in the drills. He's the best player on the pitch week in, week out. He creates chances for us. His winning mentality is as high as his idiosyncrasies and his eccentricities. That's what you, you literally saw people at Juventus who didn't know another way than to be head down, hard work, no joy, <laughs> commitment, Spartan. And then they're like, geez, you can do all that and enjoy yourself. That's lovely. And and that's something that I think when you transplant that into a squad, it can unify, it can bond, it can make everything seem, it's a spoonful of sugar. There you go. Let's just, it makes the medicine go down. But the other thing is, literally, you will get players who, if they work with them, will never have seen his level of sort of intensity and commitment and skill and application and using great gifts to, to daily work. And, and that sets an example. If you've got 
lieutenants around you, whether they're, you know, your assistants that sit around you and whether it's Arteta or whoever it is. But if you've got those lieutenants in your squad, just think of the, the culture it sets and the example it sets. And if Danny Alves ends up at City, because I don't think it's assured yet, I think it's a, it's a big pill. And I want to say as well, as, as the film that we've made will show, Although there wasn't a, a massive falling out, and Danny still calls Pep a genius, by, by the final year of Pep's contract, they, they were beginning to see certain things differently. And Alves certainly didn't appreciate the way in which Pep went about his final year. That's a fact, and, and it'll become clearer when we release the movie. Um, but there's no ill will between the two. Um, they can certainly work together. Um, my view is that any club that plays in the style that your club wants to and any club with a coach of Guardiola's ilk who's asking specific things. And I, th- I can't remember, but I, we had this kind of discussion last summer, my memory is. And I think my memory is that I said that one of the things that, you, that your club hadn't changed but needed to was the fullbacks. I didn't see the fullbacks yeah. making, it, making it through. And Danny's, if Danny is signed, Danny will be clearly because he's not eternal, will be a temporary solution, but he will be the template solution. And I think that's valuable. I like that. I definitely like that. Um, in terms of, you, obviously you've, you've touched upon the idea of, of his mentality and how strong it is. Um, and it's it's actually something that um, Marty Perrinow touched upon when I spoke to him last, maybe about where this season had fallen down. And, and without kind of pointing at individuals, he he raised the idea that maybe collectively the mentality wasn't brave enough or strong enough to follow Guardiola's tactical instructions to the letter of the law, to play in which they were meant to play. Um, do you see Alves as being the type of figure who not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, can begin to instill that belief as a player. Because obviously the it's one thing to have the coaches and the people who have worked with Pep saying, you should do it like this. Another thing to have one of your teammates standing there going, you know, yeah. I've done this. Yeah, no, advocacy is one thing, but also demonstration is another. I think advocacy is something that Manchester City probably got too much of from the moment that Pep City was joining until today. People yeah. saying it works, he's great, he's the future, blah, 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 blah. Well, any fan who's paying the money might might want that. Maybe still there might be a slight majority of fans at City who want Pep Guardiola and his teachings, but I wouldn't imagine it would be anywhere near a conclusive majority. Because what every fan of every club wants is, is first of all, victory over your local neighbour, trophies, dignity, the, the belief that you're going to, be made to feel passionate by the 90 minutes you watch at home or you travel to you know, Southampton to watch. These are the things that you value above concepts and people advocating that you've got the right footballer. I'd imagine United fans at certain stages felt the same way about Pogba. I think Pogba and Pep are identical in terms of what people say about them. You know, exceptional, worth it, but difficult to at first or the price in Pogba's case or the, the high church philosophy of Pep in his case. Mm. And, and both sets of fans will be saying, okay, but, you know, I don't want jam tomorrow. You know, I want my sort of meat and two veg right fucking now. Yeah. So 
that demonstration that Danny can do, I think, is a is a fair point. But I also believe that when when you see Pep Guardiola's systems and his ideas are not simple. They are they do depend on a high grade of technique. They do depend on a high grade of uh, football intelligence. They they did they do rely on a high grade of of faith. The players need, to, and if you see a player coming in saying, "Look, I've done this. I know this. Look, I'll show you this drill. I'll put it into action. My position vis-a-vis your position. Let's say, for example, Edison, that you know, or, or let's say if it was going back to Claudio Bravo or whoever. Every time you spoke to the more um, advanced professionals and ex-professionals who critiqued Claudio Bravo, you could initially say. Claudio Bravo at Barcelona was never a Ter Stegen with his feet. He was never as comfortable as a sweeper-keeper as Ter Stegen was. Mm. Therefore, even though he he underperformed in terms of the basic duties of a goalkeeper, you could say that, or or I was told time and time again by professionals that I respect, okay, maybe he's not sublime as a sweeper-keeper, but look at the positioning of the players around him. Did the players who needed to receive the ball, not first pass, but second pass, third pass, And maybe Bravo gets it back again and then repeat the exercise. Were they well positioned? Well, often, no, they weren't. Or did they have the technique and the confidence in the ball to, to, to play six passes within the, you know, across the penalty area or across the first, you know, 20 meters of the pitch until there was a gap? No, they didn't. Would Danny Alves? Yes. Do players seeing another um, footballer immediately being able to not just do what Pep says, but bring it off? And also being able to see another player who can make a mistake because like Victor Valdez at Barcelona, Danny Alves, you know, was one of those who could be caught out of position or maybe could try a trick and be caught. But I go back to net gains. If if what that led you to was net gains in terms of efficacy, the coach's mantra being proven, um, opening other teams up from the back and then cutting through them, goals, victories, trophies because that's the kind of ladder we're talking about, then you, you give faith and you give patience and you talk about net gains overall. And that's what, that's what, and also, listen, we haven't talked about this very much in your podcast, but it's something I believe in. And I try not to be too Billy Graham about it. Uh, Billy Bumper Graham, you can call me if you want, but I'm evangelical about football. It's still supposed to be fucking exciting and buccaneering and it's supposed to be beautiful. And, <laughs> Danny Alves is one of the most exciting, one of the most extraordinary, beautiful footballers I've ever seen. Still. <laughs> oh, fuck me, yes. It's like, it's like irrespective of your passion for City or my passion for my trade and the fact that I get accreditations to certain games, he's one of those guys who you would pay, a t- you would pay the price for, you would travel across your country to see, you would turn the box on to watch. It's, it's just orgasmic watching him play football. It doesn't matter if it's for... Juventus, Sevilla, this is not a Barcelona point of view I'm, I'm exhibiting. Brazil, it doesn't matter what. Not to everybody's taste because there are risks involved. But boy, oh boy, there are risks that I would pay to watch over and over and over again. See, that's kind of, that, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was because I kind of woke up or came home to that news that, that Alves was potentially signing and found myself ridiculously giddy with excitement <laughs> and you know really like i mean like the, the, the point i'm trying to make is that like it it sort of felt like mbappe or 
you know, like some hot young attacking player where you're like, wow, you, you see what I'm saying, don't you? That, that it's normally those players that get the juices flowing. Alves is what, 33, 34 years old? But still, mm. because I saw him play for Juventus five, six, seven times, I think, in in in, in the season just gone, um, it was, for me, it's like the guy was still, every almost every time I watched him play, he was the best player on the pitch. And if he wasn't the best player on the pitch, it was because Messi was on the pitch or Ronaldo was on the pitch. It wasn't, you know, it's very difficult, even within that very, very talented Juventus team, when Danny was playing well, it was very difficult to look at any other player as technically better. He just seemed to, you know, he's a playmaker from right back. That's that's crazy. It, you know? it, it, it is exactly so. And I think that if you, um, if you say... As a defender, would you rank with, you know, your Maldinis or even Cafu who would get up like Danny did? Then that's not something that you he can he can defend. I think his teams have been proven. If you look at if you simply look across Sevilla, he wasn't the only reason, but Sevilla's unparalleled success came with his development not in the first season, but his development thereafter. Yeah. And that was the cocktail of everything we've been talking about. His flair, the excitement, his ability, his intelligence, his commitment, his fitness, his running, his assists, his goals. Um, then you look at Barcelona and you go, well, he came in that armada, that influx of new, aggressive, challenging footballers in 2008 with Pep, signed by Bagheristein. Lo and behold, okay, they had Xavi, they had Messi, then Iniesta, but Barcelona went on to win the best and play the best that they ever, ever have in their history. Mm. Now, Juventus are a successful side, but, you know, they've never won the treble. And at 1-1 with Mandzukic, and if you looked at this, okay, the ball comes from the left to Mandzukic, but if you look at the celebration with Danny afterwards, I have a good authority about the... I said to you, I'm not a Mandzukic fan at all as a footballer, as a person, but he's a hard-nosed warrior. And if you look at him and Buffon and what they what they learned to think about Alves, and if you see Higuain talking about him, the affection for Danny from his fellow pros is absolutely gigantic. Yeah. If you look at all he left in terms of, you know, Sergio Roberto is a very, very good footballer. But if you look at the people, as, as often happens in life, and as I've been taught by the football scouts who I respect, when you know the lowest common denominator, the monosodium glutamate of football scouting is to go to a match, look at a player, and come back with a um, sort of what do you call those a dossier on what a player can't do, and that's the easy thing to do because the risky things to say, okay, there there's some flaws X, Y, and Z, but here's what you can do. Yeah, we very often get caught up in, in looking at mistakes and and taking for granted the exceptional, and. That's that's what he did at Juventus. He produced the exceptional. And had they won that treble at 1-1, they're in line for having had the best season in the history of Juventus. And who was there? Fuck me, it's Danny Alves again. Probably a, probably a coincidence. You know, he's 30. Is he, is he the Brazilian in history with the most club trophies? I think he is. I think he is. I, I, I also... So how did you know? That doesn't matter. If it was Tunisian or, or Irish or Scottish and he had the most trophies, that would really... Oh, no, it's Brazil. The most successful football nation ever. Mm. I, tell, I tell you, you know, he uses that joke about like, yeah, it's just after the on all these trophies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you well, should be good. 
Yeah, I like well, look, them. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm definitely, definitely giddy about that one. Um, before I let you go, uh, it would be remiss of me to not talk about a couple of things. Firstly, um, it looks like you were right about Bernardo Silva. Um, for for those listeners who who don't know, I don't think I've mentioned this on a podcast anyway, but Graham sent me a message. Maybe I had a look this morning about eight days before. Um, Bernardo Silva came to Manchester to do his medical. And all it said was, keep an eye on Bernardo Silva to Manchester City. Pep really wants him and it looks close. Um, so, yeah, uh, that nobody had wind of that, Graham. Um, um, it's, ex- it's exciting because I think if I can turn it around in that, you know, as much though I appreciate um, your club and what it's doing and your passion for them, I also look at the footballer and I, I get quite excited about the idea that this is a guy who, you know, should have been part of his generation when in the Eurocopa, what do you call it, European Championship last year, but wasn't because of injury. This is a guy who is, you know, adored by his fellow pros at Monaco for his skills and his attitude. And, and it, it's, it's, not, it's not unheard of for our work to take us to players who'll say, you want to see this guy in training. It's absolutely... But to, to hear it with the type of disbelief that I hear players talking about Messi is rare and and it's what people at Monaco will say about Bernardo Silva that they they talk about him with a a reverence about mm. what we've see on the pitch and for that reason one of the things that excites me and I'm, I'm pleased that all it was at the time was just me and you chatting because I appreciate how much City means to you um, and, and I, it's obviously exciting for City that they've got a player's ability at his age with his hunger um, who can learn from David Silva or replace David Silva and, and let him have a longer battery life. There are a myriad of things you've probably already discussed on the podcast. But for my, if I turn it around, I look, at, I look at Bernardo Silva. And if he's made of all the right things mentally um, in terms of his, his character composite, to, to be learning from David Silva, to be learning from Pep Guardiola, to be at the beginning of a project that's somewhere... I won't be derogatory about Monte Carlo because in football terms, because I've been down there a lot. It's been very good to me in terms of stories and the and, and the teachings that over my career I've 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 had there. It's it just happens to have been an important place. But you know, if he is to take City to trophies and if he is to achieve his his true greatness in the Premier League, then obviously the platform is bigger, the test is bigger in England than it is in the French league, and. Because this guy is a diamond of a footballer, that it excites me, and I'm pleased that he's he's taken this this leap forward. Because it'll be a, initially, I guess it'll be a test for him, and then we'll we'll peel back a couple of layers and we'll go, boy, this is another footballer who you'd pay to watch. Hmm. Now, look, um, I want to ask you. Obviously, you're in Barcelona. Obviously, Pep was there what a week, ten days ago. Um, to take part in the Johan Cruyff, was it the Johan Cruyff Golf Day? He's, he's done. He did, he's done probably four significant things. Yes, you're absolutely right. On the Monday after the Champions League final, he played in the Johan Cruyff Golf with the Cruyff Association, Cruyff Foundation Golf Memorial up at Montagna and played very well. He then played in the 25 year memorial of Wembley in '92 with the you know the Cruyff team that won Barcelona's first European Cup. Um, he subsequently took part in a. In a, tele- in a television studio discussion about Pep with Ferran Adria, the, the world-class chef, and other people who knew him, and it was a more, it was a wider exposition of quite the person. 
And of course, he he spoke. I mean, unbelievably passionately. Um, I think last Sunday, the Sunday before last, in, in an open forum in Plaza España about the need for a referendum in Catalonia about independence. And he spoke really pungently, really strongly about the lack of democracy that he sees in the country with the Spanish government trying to yeah. jail those who ask for an independence vote. And 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 therefore, it, it was a. It wasn't a completely unknown pet because he spoke a great deal about Catalan independence and Catalan character when he accepted the Catalan gold medal, um, I think back in probably 2011, autumn 2011. But for him to be so strident, marked him down as potentially a man with a political future. Yeah, I've, 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 to be honest, I felt like that for, for a while now. I've seen his involvement in the in the in the kind of political movement for a referendum for for Catalonia and it it feels like it will be a natural next step when he leaves football because I think so and I think it'll test him I think it's something whereby he, he it's something he feels passionately about but I I think like you I judge that there's a commitment personally to trying to um steer it and organize it and and be a spokesperson, not more than a spokesperson for it, is what I meant to say. Yes. Um, but look, what's the feeling? Like, obviously, he's been in town. Um, I've, I think, I believe he did a radio interview as well. Um, what's the feeling on his kind of the season he's had at City? But more importantly, what's the feeling on, on this summer on the transfer window? What, what's the feeling? What will he do? What won't he do? How will it change what happens next season? I think those who know him well, rather than the general perception, think that if there was a season um, like last season again, then I think you would find him voluntarily moving on. Yeah. I, I don't personally expect there to be. Um, I, I personally don't think that he and Bikaristein have, by any means, finished their business. Um one of the things that I think came out clearly from uh, this was off the record, but from him and from Bagaristan was that they appreciate a sort of pure spirit of football in England, not just at Manchester City, but the fact that it's not the divided down like Madrid Barcelona lines. You might feel that to you as a City fan between City and United. It might might feel that way, and there were certainly stages during the season it has emerged that he feels this way where he was a little bit underwhelmed with the way in which City were being regarded media-wise. But the, the, the fact is, both he and Begeristan feel that there is greater room for manoeuvre, a greater ability to work in pure football terms in England, in terms of what you, you are asking, development in the market. Rather, not the training. The training, he still feels that, that, that he could benefit from there being more time. And it's this concept you and I have talked about before, no winter break, um, some, often three games a week if the League Cup's involved, just less um, less teaching time on the training ground is probably one of the biggest things that I would judge, having listened to him over the last few weeks since he's been home, um, is, is a factor. And I think that there's more business to be done, more business to be done in terms of players who will be able immediately to enforce the way that the ball is kept and used from Manchester City. Okay. Uh, last question. <clears throat> a bit of an esoteric one, really. I know that we've discussed this before. So it would be interesting to ask you on the pod. Do you think that 
do you think that the owners of Manchester City need to make what we would class as a marquee signing for Pep? Do you think that, that for the for the legitimacy or the relevance of the entire project that they sort of need to do something that that whether it's people would say maybe artificially elevating themselves closer to Bayern, Barca and Real in terms of perception and in terms of the quality of player that you're bringing in? Not in the way you've mentioned. I, well, it depends. If you want my, if you want my opinion, then I, I'll give you a straight no. I think in terms of what I know of Pep Guardiola's ideas and what I've learned about his attitude to the project in hand, I think the absolute key thing is that, um, that marquee saying the way you've explained it just wouldn't wouldn't work for him if it was imposed by the owners he would accept it people need to understand he is he is not a maverick he has intense and idiosyncratic and individual requirements as a coach mm. but he is a club man and he has always been a club man and if the owner said um here is something that we wish to happen and it's vital to us, then unless it was the complete antithesis of what he wanted, he would probably stomach it and get on with it. But in terms of the concept of marquee signings, then I think that what's, what's absolutely vital is that he gets three, maybe four more um, elite footballers who he knows absolutely understand his concept and his way of playing and will enforce that week in, week out and are not um, clean slates onto which he has to chalk. That's that's where they're at now because if you listened, I thought an absolute key thing was his frustration at the end of the season when asked about how many of the youth he could promote. He specifically said that there's an abundance of talent but that the competitiveness that they have that winner's mentality, that that knowing how to get the job done, yeah, that that's lacking. And it, maybe we're only pedantically separating somebody who could be portrayed as a marquee signing, and the same person could be, let's say, Tony Cruz. Like for example, I've said to you before, two of the ideal players I imagine that would give Pep Guardiola the intelligence, the application, the hunger, the experience, the determination, the age that he needs are Cruz. Lewandowski. Now, whether or not they're gettable, they unify what you asked. Mark, they'd be considered as marquee signings, but they'd be purchased for much more specific reasons. Yeah. And I think that's that's where I think they're at now, strategically. So, not to put words in your mouth, mm. maybe my marquee thing was a little bit um, wide of the mark, but they you feel that what they're looking for this summer will be experienced world-class players who don't need to be taught how to do everything that Pep needs them to do. So basically kind of, I guess Alves and, and Alexis are very good examples of those types of players, no? They are. And, and what they unify is what I was trying to say is that they must, must possess the absolute cutting edge hunger to win and win and win and win and win again. 
that's that's something that must be wrapped into the DNA of any signings that Pep will give the thumbs up to and Bergerstein will give the thumbs up to this season. All the things that we've talked about, but never we I know you never do, but if, again, if you had Pep on this, he would say he's signing players um, to win. And win every weekend. Not win the Champions League, not win not say solely win the Champions League, win just to win and win, win in training games, win every training game, win at, you know, win at okay, Hull are gone, win at Watford, win at Stoke, win at Southampton, win at home United, then win the title, then win the Champions League, then win the treble. That that's at the heart of it all. And and I know we haven't forgotten it in this, but I think it, it bears repeating. That's the type of player, winners. You know what? That's the perfect way to wrap this up. Graham, thank you so much for, for, for taking... It's always half an hour. I always say it'll take 10, 15 minutes. It always takes more than 30 minutes. Because um, you're good at this. Have a, have, a lovely, um, have a lovely afternoon in Barcelona, and I will uh, speak to you very soon. Okay, Forza, Forza Pep, Forza City. Merci beaucoup. Ciao. Ciao.